This is episode 103 with James Swanick. This is Crowdfunding Uncut, the place where creators and entrepreneurs come to learn how to launch a successful crowdfunding campaign. Here's your host, Kirsten Ross. This episode is brought to you by BackerKit. BackerKit is a crowdfunding fulfillment software service that helps you take care of all the spreadsheet nightmares after your campaign is done. Let me explain. Once you have hundreds of new backers for your product, you're going to be exporting a ton of customer data that is probably going to change. People will need to change their shipping address. They'll want to downgrade some of their rewards. They'll want to buy more rewards. And when you don't have a system in place to help with this, it's actually going to be taking a lot more of your time dealing with customer service admin, and you're probably going to screw stuff up, which is not good long-term for customer relations. BackerKit gives you a full done-for-you software platform online where you can easily manage all of your customer data. And my favorite part about working with them is that once your campaign actually wraps up, they help you get additional sales from your customers by offering to upsell to more rewards or options that you may or may not have on your campaign. They have worked with more than 2,000 projects, delivering more than 3.5 million rewards um, and products. This could be digital products or, heck, even physical products to you guys. They've been amazing to work with. I've partnered with them on the show because I've worked with them in the past and they are amazing. So if you are looking for a partner after your campaign, that's going to make your life super easy. They are the ones to go to. To find out more information, go to backerkit.com. But wait, at checkout, they're actually giving the uncut listeners, which are you guys, going to give you 50% off of their setup services. So when you go to backerkit.com, go to checkout and use the five code uncut, U-N-C-U-T. Hey guys, welcome back. This is Crowdfunding Uncut. We're at episode 103. I'm so excited. I mean, I'm always excited, but I've been um, waiting for this interview for a couple of months with James Swanwick of Swanee's Blue Light Blocking Glasses. Um, I met this guy because he's a tall, very handsome Australian man living in Los Angeles, and he stood out at a conference I went to in Austin a couple months ago. And um, just you know, being on a panel with him and, and talking with a bunch of Amazon sellers, I realized that um, this guy not only has an awesome product, but he was able to grow it uh, organically into a very successful company through mostly influencer marketing. And I find that a lot of the times brands, especially, you know, some of the people that I work with, we fast track the brand success by doing the paid advertising route. Whereas influencer strategy is something that you need to incorporate into your brand long term. And a lot of people may not know how to go about influencer marketing or or all that thing. So I thought I, you know, I heard James' story and I was like, dude, you need to come on the show because I think it's really awesome what you were able to do with Swanee's based on influencer marketing and some of the, um, you know, just things that you've used in your toolbox over the last couple of years with it. So welcome to the show. Kirsten, thank you so much. That's the, you, uh, My mother will be so happy that you paid me those nice compliments. She always loves to hear when people say nice things about her son. So thank you very much. I'll have to send her this I'll have to send her this episode so she can feel good. It's like, <laughs> just listen to what people are saying about me. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's awesome. Um so I guess where I want to get started is just for so that people um really understand what Swannies are, who you are and like, you know, how you kind of got started with this whole crazy entrepreneur journey. Um, could you just give us where you started with all this? 
Yeah, sure. I mean, you can tell I'm a funny talker. I'm from Brisbane, Australia, and uh, I used to be a newspaper reporter, and I was a, a newspaper reporter for many years. And then I moved over to the US, and you know, I tried to be an entrepreneur, uh, tried to start a PR company in about 2008. There was Financial Armageddon, you might might remember. Yep. <laughs> and I uh, and just as soon as I started that company, I lost it. Like six months after I started, I had to shut it down. And, um, you know, I, I ran away to South America for six months to go and lick my wounds and say, oh, I'm a, I'm a hopeless entrepreneur. And when I came back, I just started learning everything I could about business and online marketing. And, you know, I struggled for a couple of years, to be honest, and wasn't making much money, which is a bit depressing as a man who was sort of approaching his 40s at the time. And then, um, and then I got a mentor. And then from there, getting a, a business mentor, I... Um, I started to do okay in business, actually. And then um, a couple of years ago, I was um, introduced to this idea that we should block blue light at nighttime and that all of us staring at our cell phones and Facebook and Facebooking and Instagramming and watching TV late at night was actually destroying our sleep because all of that light was preventing us from naturally creating melatonin. And that was where I kind of got into this idea of wearing blue light blocking glasses before you go to go to sleep at night. Um, a friend of mine was wearing a really ugly pair, and I was like, "What are you doing? Get those things off!" And um, and then I just thought that I could wear, I could create a more stylish pair uh, of blue light blocking glasses. So I reached out to a Chinese manufacturer. We got a few prototypes, and ultimately. I created this product, which are called Swannies, blue light blocking glasses, which are a stylish pair of blue light blocking glasses. And um, yeah, we started about 18 months ago. We, we did a million dollars in sales in 11 months and uh, we, we, we grew it without paid advertising. We do paid advertising now, but we, we kind of grew it organically. And yeah, here, here we are now. Would you say... Um, attributing to the success of Swannies, like I, I now see several blue light blocking glass. Well, not necessarily blue light blocking glasses, but like glasses that will block all negative spectrums of light that um, will negatively impact sleep or whatnot. But at the time, do you think you got into the market just before it became mainstream, or were they already a hot product by the time you got into it? Yeah, so they're definitely still not mainstream. I would still describe our product uh, as as a niche product still. Um, so I think when we got in, it was just starting to take off. It was just starting to take off with bi the biohacking community, people who are really, really very educated about their health. Um, and, uh, you know, that's a good thing and a not so good thing. It's a good thing in that, okay, we're just catching the wave. But it's a not so good thing because it's still not mainstream. And so the danger is, is that a bigger company can come along, like a huge sunglass brand or a huge health brand can come along, watch what we do and kind of go, oh, you know what, we'll, we'll, we'll just come in and we'll come up with our own blue light blocking glasses and then we get crushed. So to use an example, um, you know, uh, MySpace a friendster rather was first, then there was MySpace, and then there was Facebook. So you don't want to be friendster, and you don't want to be MySpace. And so you could actually say that we might be a friendster or a MySpace, and all it would take would be for Oakley glasses or Lux Luxottica or some big health company, Whole Foods or whatever, to come out with their own brand, and all of a sudden, bang, we're crushed. 
so there's always that danger. Um, so I think um, I think it was a good thing that we started when we did because we're catching the wave, but there's still their potential to be slaughtered. And so we have to always be looking at ways to innovate. Yeah. I mean, I do say that as increase in e-commerce sales every single year that they're, because this is something I get asked all the time with crowdfunding is I'm creating something or I'm trying to launch something that's already been done, but it just has a new twist to it or something. And how do I know that? It's efficient enough because XYZ company already owns the market. And I sometimes say, like, I feel that there's enough for everyone if you have a great product. Mm -hmm. So with your innovation, how, because, you know, you're obviously on top of it. How do you make sure that you're developing something that is hopefully not going to become obsolete when or if Oakley comes out with something like this, right? Like, what is that about? Yeah, well, it's all about the brand, really, and associating, like, a really cool, hip feeling around the brand. So we're, we're building we, – we don't create blue light blocking glasses. We create a, a brand, which, and, and our brand, which, which our head company is, is Swanwick, and our, and our glasses are nicknamed Swannies, um, we're creating kind of like a cool, hip factor around them and we're building a sleep company which will involve lots of other products so so we're not a glasses company we're a sleep company that happens to build glasses and i think that's a pretty important it's a very important distinction to make because a lot of people who sell on amazon for example will go there and they'll just sell products and they'll sell a product and some of them might hit it out of the park and make a million dollars two million dollars and for like in like six months but then all of a sudden it just dies because some other brand comes over and, and squashes them and then they don't have a, a brand to kind of fall back on. Mm-hmm. So so we're creating a brand, um, which is our company, Swanwick, and um, and we're, gonna se- we're selling lots of products. Like we sell a sleep supplement, a sleeping mask, um, an air diffuser, a magnesium spray, all of these things that help with sleep. So even if a bigger company comes in and – you know, with a with a with a product that rivals ours, we're hoping that there is enough customer loyalty and coolness factor around our brand that those that people will still still buy from us. Yeah, I think you've also made a really smart choice with going the sleep route because if I'm a consumer and I'm looking, man, my sleep sucks. What can I do to improve my sleep? I think of Oakley's as a glasses company but if i go to the sleep specialist i'm more inclined to trust your brand because you're you are specialists at that specific pain point that i have yes right and so where oakley's may come in with some beta blocking glasses ultimately the consumer that it really cares about improving the quality of their sleep is going to stick with you that's what that's what we we hope yes and a lot of and a lot of that also comes around like I was saying, creating like the culture of the brand. So, uh, I mean, you know, I mean, you, if you've, you and I have met in person, we've, we've, we've chatted, we've talked, you've probably seen some of the social media posts about our glasses. It's mm-hmm. fun. It's upbeat. It's positive. It's kind of like, it's kind of funny in a little bit. It's like, Hey, I'm rocking my Swanee's glasses. <laughs> it's like a big smile. I don't, I'm not sure that there are people who are sharing photos of them like on the, with using the, their bed and going, hey, I'm rocking my cool bed. I mean, it's kind of like a bed. I mean, there are companies yeah. that, that, that kind of do that. But 
so I guess where I guess what I'm building is not just a sleeve company, but I'm building like a cool, fun, hip kind of trendy shareability kind of feeling around our our sleep company because it's people make decisions based on emotion emotion is derived from the feeling they get from your brand so yeah i love that that's right i I like the way that you just articulated that yeah thank you i do say smart things sometimes (laughs) (laughs) i have this ability sometimes to either ramble and i feel like i don't even understand what i'm trying to say and then other times i just say something i'm like oh Okay. Don't I'll worry. I'm, down. <laughs> I, I'm the biggest rambler of all time. Don't worry. You're doing great. Trust me. Awesome. So I did have uh, one question I wanted to ask. So, okay, I have a ton of questions, but you, when you originally got started, you went after the bulletproof community, the biohacking community. And I feel that a lot of startups starting from ground zero, when they don't really know their customer, they if they have a specialty product like yours, they have two choices. They can go after the customer that is already educated and is searching for that solution, or they want to open up their potential customer base by going general, um, which means you then, with someone who doesn't know it, like if you did this, for example, if if I don't know what beta blocking glasses are, you have to somehow get me into your funnel, educate me, and then hope that I someday buy. Did you just instinctively know to go after the people who already knew and had this problem and were searching for the solution or did you and or did you attempt to do that education to bring in a more open market? Yeah, so I would love to say that I'm so smart and so clever and so strategic that right from the beginning I said, right, we're going to go after the biohacking community and then we'll expand from there. But truthfully, I just kind of threw a lot of stuff on the wall and just waited to see what would stick. And what stuck was the biohacking community. And so they were the ones who became really very passionate about our product. Mm-hmm. They were the ones who kept asking me questions about it. And then as soon as that became apparent to me that that community was super passionate about the product, then we went, right, our strategy is let's just double down on that community right now they will be the biggest proponents of our of our product. They will tell people. They will kind of like shout from the rafters and say, hey, you got to get a pair of Swannies blue light blocking glasses. They help you sleep. Let's just double down on that community and hope and um, that they, you know, start being the cheerleaders, so to speak. They start doing free marketing for us because the biohacking community, if you don't know who they are, like they're just so – so anal about their health like they're just so particular and passionate about their health and so they're the ones who like if they're out and about they're going to be wearing the products and they are the ones who are going to they're going to do the educating for us they're going to tell their mother or their friends or their partners hey these are how these glasses work that way i don't have to spend money on facebook ads trying to educate people Our, our existing loyal passionate customers are already doing the educating for us so to answer your question, when we first started, it was let's just get it out there and try to educate as many people as possible and see what happens. And then when it became apparent that biohacking was the, the community that loved it the most, then we just put all of our marketing and our focus and our attention into that community. Yeah, you kind of pulled a Tim Ferriss with that where in the four-hour work week, he talks about how he had, say, hundred different customers and he did analysis to realize that the most profitable ones were a 20% of the people he was serving and he just 
you know, focused on the people that were making money because it's the 80-20 principle, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll just use another example, if I may. Um, yeah. I have, a, I have another program or a program called 30 Day No Alcohol Challenge. And I, and I teach sort of social drinkers to quit alcohol for 30 days. I haven't drunk since 2010. I was, I was never an alcoholic. I was just a social drinker who got tired of, of hangovers and like feeling kind of lousy. And so I quit and I stayed quit. And now I teach social drinkers how to quit for 30 days. Anyway, I've had this program for two and a half years. And a lot of my marketing has been aimed at... Um, 20-somethings who go out and get drunk and like, oh, you should come in the program. And then my testimonial videos, there's a lot of people in their 20s. Just last week, Kirsten, I did a, I finally did a survey of my customers and I found that the majority of my customers are in their 40s. And, and this was, this was, I mean, it wasn't surprising to me because I, I see customers in there who are in their 40s and they engage with me. I'm like, oh, I've got some customers in my 40s. But I realized that like the biggest proponent, the biggest customer were in their 40s and and 66% of them were women. And so I've realized that up until this point, I've been marketing to a 20-something guy or a 20-something woman without actually going, oh, you know what? Two-thirds of my customers uh, are women who are in their 40s. And I'm like, I did the, the kind of like the, the palms, the like, face slap or whatever known. where you should have known. And so now I'm just like, oh, my God, like I'm looking at all of my marketing to try to get people into the product. And I'm like, no 45-year-old woman is going to want to get my product if the first video I've got telling him to get into the pro- to the program is of a 21-year-old guy talking about how oh, I used to go out and get drunk at college all the time and then I joined the 30-day no-alcohol challenge. No 45-year-old woman's going to care about that 21-year-old kid. So yeah. that's where that's where you kind of like uh, that's what I did wrong. I should have like really understood my customer, my core avatar right from the beginning. So I would encourage your listeners like really take the time to survey your customers and understand who they are and then make your marketing speak to that particular person. Because I made a mistake. It's probably cost me tens of thousands of dollars in lost revenue because I didn't understand my core customer. Yeah, that's a great point. I'm glad you you hit that point home. Um, Because it's, we've even, every startup you need to have an assumed avatar, but as soon as you or like, you know, assumed customer. But as soon as you have enough data just to reach out to them and see who they actually are, let the data speak for yourself. Because you're right. If you continued Facebook advertising to those people with the videos and you continued that course, how much money are you leaving on the table? Versus if you now start marketing to the right people. That's exactly right. It's, yeah. It's crazy. So it's like if, I'm, if you're trying to sell... Um, if you're, if you're trying to sell, uh, I'm trying to think of a good analogy here, but it's, I'm just, I'm drawing a blank. If you're trying to sell McDonald's hamburger or Big Mac to a super health conscious person who is a vegan and sleeps really well and drinks lots of water and runs half marathons, that's a tough sell. Like that's a, that's a tough sell. So don't try to sell a Big Mac to a super, super health conscious person um same thing it's like just uh, like understand your 
customer. Understand what your product does and how it helps that customer and then speak in their language. Yes, 100%. No, you couldn't have said it better than me. So I love that you brought that up. Like that was a really nice um, golden nugget you brought up. I love tangents for that reason. (laughs) That's why I don't script these interviews. But... Uh, So that's really cool. So when you first got started, you were establishing who your customer was, and then 18 months later, you surveyed your audience to learn more and was going to help you pivot and refine, which will make your sales go up and stuff. But when you first started, um, what were your top three ways that increased your revenue the most early on? Yeah. So number one was getting reviews. So when we launched, we launched only on Amazon. We didn't launch on our own website. We launched on Amazon only. And we were pretty educated in that we knew that we needed to get a lot of reviews to work the algorithm of uh, Amazon. The more reviews you get, the more positive reviews you get, the more Amazon promotes you in, in the search engine. So we did everything we could to just to, to get reviews. We begged, borrowed, stole. Like I was like, please write a review, please write a review. And at the time, you could actually give your product away in exchange for an honest review. You can't do that anymore. Now you, they have to purchase. But at the time, we would give it away. We gave away like 100 pairs of glasses in exchange for an honest review. Um, I would have my mom write a review. I had my friends write a review. I would text people. I'd have a long list of my friends, of 20 friends. And I said, will you please wear the product and then write a review and then when they when they said yeah i'll do it and they hadn't done it i would text them again and say hey just a reminder and then when they still didn't do it i'd call them and say hey i need that review so it was just like following up with people um second thing we did second thing i did was i made sure that um i uh associated with influencers so um for example dave asprey who's the bulletproof guy who runs the company bulletproof um i had uh, I was friendly with him. I'd met him on a couple of occasions, and I knew that his audience of biohackers would have loved our would love our glasses. And so I sent him a video text message saying, "Hey, Dave, James Swanick, I hope you're well. Uh, I, I'd love to educate, help you educate your listeners um, about the dangers of blue light and uh, at night and how it messes with your sleep." Um, uh, I'm a bit of an authority on this now because I have these blue light blocking glasses that I've named Swannies, and so I'm helping a lot of people sleep better. How about you and I have a chat on your show, and I'll give a ton of value and and you know help your listeners understand how they can you know sleep better by blocking blue light. So you'll notice in that pitch, it was I was talking about his interests, like I'm talking about his listeners. I'm talking about how I can give benefit to his show. I'm not saying. Hey, I've got these cool pairs of Swanee's glasses. Can I come on your show and talk about them? I was talking in there in his interest. And so he sent me a video text message back saying, James, awesome. I'd love to do that. Let's let's get you on the show. Let's talk about it. I love that topic. And then I had to wait probably two or three months. Um, and I remember I was in New York at the time. I was in a hotel room in, in Midtown and uh, I was at a conference. So I left the conference, went up to the hotel room and he interviewed me. Um, from the, from this, uh, when I was in this hotel room over a Skype connection, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I, and then two months after that, he finally published the the uh, the episode, and you can find it on YouTube now. If you just type in James Swanick Bulletproof Dave Asprey interview, you can see it. And uh, our sales like 
uh, went uh, quadrupled overnight. Like just from 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 in the three days after that show, after that episode came out, we jumped up from like um, you know in the in the in the teens, like maybe selling fifteen pairs a day. We jumped up to fifty five, sixty, just in like in just three days, and that was you know that illustrated to me the benefit of being on like a high listened to show with a very uh, in alignment type of audience. Mm -hmm. And so from there, it's just like, I got to get on more shows. And so I just reached out to other podcasts, people, and I got interviewed on the show. I was on Ryan Moran's show about business. And so because I'm talking about business, I still get to talk about the glasses. And so people, Mm -hmm. you know, so now people go and buy it. And then I was on Ben Greenfield's podcast, who's a health, health guy uh we got uh i started pitching some health blogs we got written about and it just started to just kind of flow flow like that so that so the second thing to answer your question was i strategically got on podcasts uh and health podcasts and had people talk to me about you know the dangers of blue light and i was able to promote my product that way and then the third thing i did was um I asked customers to take a photo, to take selfie photos of them using the product and send it through to us and and post it on their own Instagram page. Uh, and so what we, we kind of, you know, we got some influencer marketing that way because we, you know, we uh, a lot of the customers would, would wear the glasses and smile and go, hey, I'm rocking my Swannies. And then they would post it on their Instagram and they would tag at Swanix Sleep and hashtag Swannies. And so, you know, that's free marketing as well. Yeah. Like you're encouraged. And we kind of encourage them to do it. And we'll say, hey, we'll, 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 we'll run a competition. We'll give the best photo of you, uh, you know, more free stuff if you post. And so that encouraged people to do it more. And again, that's free marketing, right? I don't have to pay Facebook or Google ads. It's just customers are kind of shouting about your product um, themselves. Now, going to pause. We cannot forget to thank the guys over at BackerKit for sponsoring this episode. BackerKit is a crowdfunding fulfillment software service that helps you take care of all the logistics, spreadsheets, and um, sorting customer data. Not only do they help make customer address changes super easy or changing rewards after someone has already bought, but the power is that they also help you um, do upsells and downsells and take care of all that. So if you don't have a system or platform already set up, um, they've already built that for you. And the best part, you can find them at backerkit.com, but they've actually um, created a discount code for the uncut listeners, which are you guys. So if you go to uh, check out, use the code UNCUT, U-N-C-U-T. They're going to give you 50% off of their startup services, which is amazing. Um, so if you want to keep selling and keep making money and stay super organized um, after your campaign, they are the guys to go to. I've worked with them on a few campaigns now, and they are amazing. Again, backerkit.com. With the uh, with crowdfunding, we have a small segment of people who actually have um, they've done a beta run of product and they can use that for influencer marketing and stuff like getting um, getting product to customers in exchange for testimonials, user reviews, and um, something like getting them to take selfies on Instagram. But for the people that don't have product, um, what would be your best piece of advice to give them for how they can get their reach out there when they're just starting and don't have product to use? 
Mm. So they're, are you saying that they're they're waiting for product to come out and that are ultimately yeah. going to sell? So just say we're um, someone like Teddy, who you know you referred mm. me to, and we're working on his launch. So Teddy, um, he may only have ten prototypes that he could send to influencers, or mm. ten prototypes that he can send to customers for feedback. So when you're when you and when you're pre-launch and you're building up mm. your audience in, a, in preparation for a launch where you're then going to raise the money to manufacture the goods, what mm. are some things we can do when you're kind of strapped for product in your pre-launch? Yeah, I, I would do as many videos as you possibly can with the products that you have uh, and go out and do c- cool, fun, demonstration-type videos of your, of your product um, if you've got influencers, you can go to the influencer with your product and have them use it, but just tell them, look, I can't give this to you afterwards, but let's, you know, let's use it and et cetera. Um, let's get you engaging with the product. But, um, anything that you can do visually, like you want to show people, not tell. I'm a very visual person. Like I, I have my staff, my staff will tell me things like, and it just goes in one ear and out the other. Even though, the, even though the the words and the verbiage is so simple that a five year old can understand it, I still can't visualize it, and so I still don't get it. As soon as they show me something, I'm like, okay, I got it, right? Yeah. I'm very much a visual learner. Um, so, so take I would say take your prototypes and show people how your product works. And the only way that you can show is by doing cool videos or cool posters or, or cool photos rather. Mm-hmm. Don't tell people what your product will do or does. Show people what your product will do or does. Um, uh, yeah, so I think that would be the, that would be um, the best advice. I do love that. And when pitching the media, because this is another thing that most people really suck at. <laughs> Did you, when you were pitching the media, getting on these podcasts and stuff, did you have connections where you knew these people? That's my first question. Or did you, were you pitching them cold? Both. So some of them, like Dave Asprey, I'd met previously and I was friendly with. I wouldn't say we were friends, but we were friendly because I'd, you know, bumped into him a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I felt comfortable enough to be able to pitch him. And that's kind of like a warm pitch, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like, we're friendly. We know each other. And I did that with anyone. Like, I, I literally just got a notepad like this. I'll just show you. I just got a notepad here. And I wrote down on one side, who do I know that has a podcast? Who do I know that has an audience? And I'd just write them down. And then one afternoon for about two hours, I would just reach out to them. And and I would just use that existing relationship. And, and, I, would, and I would make sure that I talked in their interest. I wasn't saying, can I please come on and promote my product? I was like, hey, I think your listener would benefit from me coming on and talking to you about the dangers of blue light blocking glasses. So there was that. And then on the cold pitches, um, again, the strategy was talk in their interest. So I didn't send out a mass email saying, hey, I can teach your listeners about the dangers of blue light. I actually made sure that I researched who I pitched first and in the first sentence or two, I would say, hey, just listen to your last episode of, let's call it like Health Incorporated podcast. I really liked your, I really liked your episode on blah, blah, blah. Hey, I think your listeners would benefit from learning about the dangers of blue light. 
I've created these glasses and I'm a bit of a sleep expert, I can come on and help your listeners understand that because I could tell from your previous episodes that you your show is very health conscious. Makes sense? So you see how I'm 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 making sure to include that I that that they know that I understand their show and what their show is all about. I cannot tell you how many times I get pitched from these crappy PR companies or these crappy people who say, hey, we would love to put John Smith on your show. John Smith is this person and he's amazing and he does all this kind of stuff, blah, 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 blah. Reply if you want to have him as a guest on your show. There's not one mention of the James Swanick Show podcast. They've copied my name, James, and put it in, and that's that's the only thing. Like they clearly don't know anything about my show. They've obviously just gone in and got a list of all the shows, and they've gone, oh, his name's James. We'll put James in there, but that's the only reference. They don't know what my show's about. They don't. They haven't referenced any previous episode I've done. They haven't. They're just like copy paste. So I'm like, no, no interest. Yeah. So what I would say is when you're sending a cold pitch and it's, and if you're sending it to a journalist, mm-hmm. you must you must let that journalist know that you've read their stuff. So if the if a, if a health if the health editor of cnn.com his name is Peter Peter Smith, right? Go in and type in Peter Smith CNN Health and read the last three articles that Peter Smith wrote. And then when you're pitching him your product, you go, hey, Peter, I really enjoyed your last article on July the 10th about blah, blah, blah. What journalist is not going to love that, right? Because a journalist, like now you're letting that Peter Smith know that you've read his stuff, that you you appreciated. You liked it. And now from there you can say, hey, would you – I thought maybe your readers might be interested in learning about blah, blah, blah. Do you see what I mean? Like yeah. that's the key. If you just send a mass cold email, you, you got little to no chance. But if you take the time to research who you are pitching and reference that in your pitch, your chances of getting press increase exponentially. Mm. Well said. Um, yeah, just a couple of episodes ago, we had someone come on who, to teach people how to do their own PR because of things like this, which is like a fairly good episode. Um, but I'm going to switch gears a little bit to my last topic, which is in the last 18 months, what would you say has been the biggest struggle you faced growing your business? Growing pains. Absolutely. It's kind of like in the first zero to a million dollars in sales, you're pumped, you're happy, you're excited, you're throwing things at the wall, people are buying, you're trying different things. Everything's great, right? Because sales are going up and you're like, cool, this is awesome. It's it's going to continue. And then all of a sudden you get to a million dollars in sales and all of a sudden you go, wow, we don't have systems. We don't have processes. I've had to hire a few people to come in and do things. Now I'm managing people and, and personalities, um, customers, um, because we have too many, like too many customers. I don't have a customer support team. Our support team aren't educated enough in the product. Then there's some, there's, um, and then, and then all of a sudden like sales might start to like slow down a little bit because maybe you just, you know, you, you, you hit a plateau and you go, well, what's going on here? Maybe you run out of inventory, like you sold so many that you've run out of the inventory. And when you place an order for more, it takes eight weeks. So now you're sold out of a product for like 
maybe a month. Mm-hmm. People are coming to buy, but they can't buy, and then now your revenues drop down. Then you've got cash flow issues, where maybe you've um, you've invested in some paid advertising, you've paid some staff, you've bought some inventory, but because you're sold out of some of inventory, the cash is not coming through. Like there's all these little things that all of a sudden, like in the beginning, you don't you're not worried about because you're just you're moving forward and you're trying new things and you're all excited and then. If you don't have systems, you don't have processes, you don't have key performance indicators for staff in place, like it just becomes like you're all, you're putting out fires it seems. And so I think I think what I did poorly as the C, as the CEO was not prioritize systems and processes early enough. Okay. And we, and in year 2, we've had to kind of slow down somewhat in order to give us in order to speed up. So we've had to slow things down a little bit, put out some fires, put some systems in place, put some processes in place in order to now speed up and and, and go again. So, you know, if I could use the analogy, it's kind of like, um, you know, we're a tod- when you start in that first year, you're kind of like a baby, right? You're like a baby. And then from year one onwards, you're kind of like a toddler. And so a toddler is now learning how to speak, but they, you know, like you're learning how to crawl a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. it's no longer this cute little baby that's like, oh, I'm a cute little baby. Now it's like you're trying to stand up, but you're falling down. You're trying to like you're trying to you're crawling, but you can't quite get up and you're frustrated at that. And then ultimately, once we pass five grand, five million dollars in revenue or 10 million, then we'll have probably have, you know, growing pains. Like if I was a teenager, like my voice dropped or or <laughs> I, or, I, or I start to get acne and pimples on my face and. And uh, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah, kind of, I do. It's, with every phase of the business, there are kind of new, awkward, growing pains, you know? Mm-hmm. so I think that's one of the negative sides to crowdfunding is that you've had the opportunity to have a, like, a quick but steady growth. You've had time to deal with those growing pains. Imagine going back two years and raising a million dollars in a crowdfunding campaign. You get that million dollars, sorry, we just hit the mic, but you get that million dollars from Kickstarter and then all of a sudden you have to fulfill all these orders and you've never done anything like this before. And that's where I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they kind of choke because they just, there's so much happening in such a short time frame. They don't know what that, what to prioritize to make sure they stay afloat and can fulfill and make this a business. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a huge issue fulfillment. If you have physical products, like, um, I can tell you right now that I have dozens and dozens and dozens of the world's best affiliates who are just saying, James, let me promote your product. I want to promote Swannies. This is amazing. Like, and then there's, and there's one particular guy who can sell, who can send me 600 sales a day, probably like six to 800 sales a day. And he's a, he has a huge email list and, and is an expert in cold traffic. Mm-hmm. And that sounds great. And I'm like, instinctively I say, yeah, let's do it. Let's send me 600 sales a day. But here's the thing. If that was to happen, uh, we would run out of inventory like pretty Overnight. quickly. Yeah. yeah, well, quickly. We'd run out of inventory quickly. And so I need to manage like the sales volume with how much inventory we got versus how long it takes to get new inventory in. So it's not so easy to just go, yeah, let's go. Let's make as many sales as we can. Because if I don't have that structure and that, that, that cash flow management in place, they're not the, the business can fall apart 
like uh, can fall apart overnight as as strange as that seems is like how can it be a problem if you're making so many sales it can be a problem because now you've run out of inventory for eight weeks people come to you to try to buy and they can't you're losing all of these customers now nobody trusts your business now they're going to someone else and they're buying you know your 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 competitor meanwhile you know you're sitting on your hands and you know you've had to pay out the affiliates all of this cash but you didn't do the math well enough or the accounting well enough and now it's like well you can't pay out all of that because you need to hold some to pay staff and it's, it's like this balancing act and so I, I i'm as much as i really want to go a lot faster than we have i'm kind of happy that it's now it's more like a slow and steady and gradual um growth mm-hmm. wins 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 the day i think for us as a company at this stage anyway yeah no it's it's cool just to see the other side of the spectrum once you're officially in business and then what that first 12 to 24 months looks like. Yeah. It's, it's I mean look, I, I think I think it's different if you have a digital program like if you mm-hmm. if you have if you have a program an information program then you can bring on 600 sales a day no worries because there's no inventory there's nothing that you there's not there's nothing really to manage it's just you're buying air you're buying information the digital product right but when you have a physical product and then there's a lead time between you know buying the, the product from your man getting the product from your manufacturer or manufacturing it and then receiving it and then sending it off then it becomes it can become problematic for sure this is great um my last well last two questions first one is is there anything i should have asked you that i haven't hmm that's a great question i like that um, let me come back to that. Ask me the next question. Uh, well, if people want to find out more, because you, you have an inner circle program if people want to actually work with you as an entrepreneur versus physical products and stuff like that with Swannies. If people mm-hmm. want to learn more, where would be a good spot to send them? Yeah. Um, if you want to, if you're interested in doing some coaching with me, just go to jameswanick.com forward slash inner circle. Um, and, uh, my last name is spelled S W A N W I C K. So it's spelled Swanwick, even though it's pronounced Swanwick. Yeah. So, yeah. So you can go to James, uh, Swanwick.com forward slash inner circle. If you want to learn about the glasses and just see what we do in our marketing and, um, then you can go to swanwicksleep.com. And, uh, yeah, I've got my podcast, the James Swanwick show, which has been in iTunes now for a few years. And I talk things about business and life and health and travel and things like that. And, um, yeah, I'm on Instagram and Snapchat and all that good stuff. But, but then coming back to your question, you said, is there any question that you didn't ask me that you should have done? Hmm. It's a hard one, but it covers my bases in case I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe you could have asked me, maybe you could have asked me like, what's the vision for the business in the next, like, where do you want to be in the next two years or five years or 10 years? That might be a good question. James, my last question is, what is your <laughs> vision? Where do you that's, see Swanee's going in the next five, 10 years? That's an amazing question. I'm Jessie. so Thank glad you. you love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I have a very clear idea what I want to do with two of my businesses. For my Swanick Sleep Company, I want to build it to a $100 million business with and with a view to selling it with my 30 day no alcohol challenge business i want to just keep it forever and grow it grow it grow it and and just have that be a business that that spits out income 
yeah. year over year over year that just comes out and pays bills and it's just a regular income. So the Swanick Sleep Company is kind of like a grow it to be big and then sell it and walk away with a, with a beautiful payout and feel amazing about it. 30daynoalcoholchallenge.com business is I'll never get rid of it. I'll just keep it forever and I'll just always churn it's over. recurring income. Yeah, and I like that. I like I kind of like the fact I got the ga- the gamble or the risk or the, the the one where you're trying to trying to build it to sell, and then you got the other business where you just want to keep it keep it forever. So, so that, I think that's that's my that's my strategy. I like that that, that two those those formulas. It's a, I was thinking about this the other well like a few months ago when I launched my membership site. Um, when I launched it and got X amount of sales in the first few days, I realized how much the one thing I miss about having a job is that guaranteed salary and Mm -hmm. what you had just created with something that gives you that consistent recurring uh, income every month is you've essentially created the safety net of a job without the job because you're still your own boss. Mm. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Yeah, Uh, the 30 day no alcohol challenge will always be the 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 business that pays me an income. I mean, the sleep company will as well, but obviously, but like in my mind, I don't really need much more than seventy-five to hundred grand a year to run my to run my life. I mean, that that, that that's kind of like I think most people who are in a job would aim would like to have a seventy-five to hundred grand a year job, right? Depending on where you are in the world and what state and what the salaries are, but personal income, I'm 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 happy as Larry with that. I don't need more or anything less than that. So as long as my thirty day no alcohol challenge program can can pay me that i'm happy to live off that for five or ten years and just you know invest in building a business for a potentially big payout at at at, at, at some at long term yeah as well as whatever else comes up i'm sure there'll be other businesses and for got sure the entrepreneurial syndrome where you don't want to chase shiny new rabbits all the time oh yeah trust me i know that feeling <laughs> there you there you go yeah you know what. so Great. Well, this has been awesome. Thanks for coming on the show, like sharing your wisdom and Thank all you. the things. So, guys, Thank buy his glasses. Me. They look as cool as he is wearing them right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's very nice. I got definitely. I'm definitely sending this recording to my mother now. Please do. Awesome. Uh, I was going to go off on some tangent, but you have to go because you have another call coming up soon. So, this has been great. So, thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me. I I appreciate it very much that was very nice of you all right how was that i think it's cool to look at the other side of crowdfunding where i i understand that he didn't use crowdfunding to build his brand but just to take a look at some of the growing pains that inevitably as entrepreneurs we don't really think about that when we're so in this the thick of things to get our brand off the ground so uh, i really enjoyed that interview Guys, if you have a brand, physical product, or whatnot that you are looking to raise funding for, or you are already actually planning your crowdfunding campaign, you should head over to crowdfundinguncut.com. We do have a freebie, which is the physical product launch checklist. Um, You can just grab that. It basically will outline uh, what goes into a launch based on six months leading up and what you need to do, essentially. So go there. Also, all the links that James talked about in and mentioned in the show are all going to be in the show notes on that same website, crowdfundinguncut.com. Now, 
few other, just one last thing I just want to leave you with is I'm stoked for our guest next week. And if you're looking for a bit of extra crowdfunding help, you should look into our crowdfunding product launch Academy. We have a $1 trial on go to crowdfundingproductlaunchacademy.com where we have a bunch of video tutorials of how to get your startup off the ground through crowdfunding and also have a awesome uh, members community where we're talking all things product launch. So head over there. Apart from that, I am just love you guys and appreciate you. So we have Dale Backus next. Are you launching a product on either Kickstarter or Shopify and you're feeling completely overwhelmed with the process? Hi there, my name is Kirsten, the CEO of Launch and Scale. To date, we've helped several online sellers sell millions of dollars online and scale their business from zero to seven figures by focusing on building an audience of fans that will actually convert into paying customers. If you're serious about building a seven-figure e-commerce brand with less time and less risk, you should check out our product launchpad. PLP is a proven accelerator that takes you step-by-step through the process of launching and scaling your product brand. Brands like the Monk Manual, Aberlite, Series Chill, Jamstack, and several others were all launched using our product launch pad. So if you'd like to be our next success story, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more. And for a limited time, we're offering a seven-day trial of the product launch pad for only $1. Again, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more.